0: Matthew chapter 2, we begin reading in verse 1, and we will read through the balance of of the whole chapter. So Matthew chapter 2, and I'll be reading out the New King James Version, as is my custom. God's Word declares, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed and behold the star which they had seen the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warmed in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then what's fulfilled was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying a voice was heard in Ramah, a lamentation, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child's mother, and came into the land of Israel. When he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Well, this morning we are, as you can tell by our song service, continuing our celebration of our Lord's first advent. And that might seem odd to you. Um, some of you have already admitted to me that you have taken down all of your Christmas decorations. They're in the box, they're in the attic, and Christmas is over. And that's too bad. Um, and you're going to see why this, this day. We have moved so far from understanding the nature of celebrating our Lord's Advent we have, been, we have come to the point of almost negligence in it. And remember that I started out this series several weeks ago trying to bring a balance, that we are not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater, but maybe we have thrown out a little bit too much water out of the worship as well. And so we have come to the point that there are those in Christian circles saying we shouldn't have anything to do with Christmas, that it is heathenistic uh, and uh, associated with uh, worship of sun, moon, and uh, uh, solstice that uh, happened, what, December 21st, something like that. Um, What most of that is a reaction to is the modern celebration that is called Christmas. But historically... The reason December 25th has been identified was not really because of that day, but because of another day that was more widely known, and that was the day of Epiphany, which was marked, which was noted, which has a historicity. And that day is this week, not today. It'll actually be Thursday, I believe, on most calendars. Um, whether it's the 5th or the 6th, uh, we can talk a little bit about, I believe it's the 6th, and we backed up improperly. But um, that this week, actually, is the known quantity in our celebration. Why do we celebrate this time of year? And many have made statements saying that, um, well, it couldn't have been in the middle of winter because the shepherds were out in the fields at night, and they wouldn't have been out in the fields in late December. That would be more like a summer-fall time. And uh, that's because the night of Christ's birth was not the best-known time. What was known, what was most widely known, was epiphany. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. In fact, that's all we're going to talk about this morning. But before we get into it, I want to share something about celebration. We've been studying it on Sunday nights a little bit. And that is that we live where in an age of we celebrate by God's grace and not by the law. When you look at the Old Testament, you will find very specific dates and moons, and Sabbaths, of when to celebrate and how. We've been looking at some of those on Sunday nights. And in the law, that is all very specifically stipulated, exactly when and how. And I think it is no mistake that when we get to the New Testament, we have very little said. The first day of the week, Christ was resurrected. We know that. We know it is associated with Passover. And so we celebrate it at that time. Um, But outside of that, um, we have very little detailed information on when. In fact, our Lord's table says whenever you do it. As often as you do it. Do it when you want. That's grace. God says celebrate when you will. And so I am not going to Institute the law here and say we have swallowed the lies of the world and we have ignored um, what is emphatically taught in scripture because it is not. But what we have done is we've ignored our history and we've allowed the world to rewrite it and we have been party to their rewriting of it. And so we carry a guilt with us nonetheless, even though we are in this period of grace. And that guilt is that we have. Um, lost so much of the Christmas story in our following of the world celebration of it. And so with, those, with that premise that we are in the period of grace and not law, uh, we want to learn how can we do better? How can we do better? And I want to drive us to that today. Um, remember, this is the last of a series, and the series was very purposeful in its order not just chronologically, although it was chronologically, is because the first two of the series were given well before Christmas Day, um, because the events happened before Christmas Day. The expectation, the long-sought Savior, they were longing to see him well before he ever came, before he was even conceived in Mary's womb. We had the events around the conception of, of of John the Baptist with Zacharias and Elizabeth going all the way back into the prophets, we looked at the covenants and the and the promises of God, we looked at at the, the all of that. That prefaces the Christmas celebration of the coming of the advent of Christ. We then the week before went to the events around the virgin birth and, and, the, annun- and the announcement and the visitation that was many months that happened before Christ's birth. Um, and so we tried to study those things of that came before his birth the weeks before his birth. And now we last week we looked at the celestial aspects, both of the heaven, capital H, and the heavenlies, little h, that were involved in the proclamation and the celebration of our Lord's day of birth, night of birth. And so we uh, did that on that day that we have set aside to celebrate it. Whether it was that day or not, we are, we are much in doubt. We don't know. Um, but there is yet another event that didn't necessarily happen that night. In fact, the evidence is very strong that it was not then. And that is the arrival of the Magi, the kings of the east, the wise men. And this is the event that we know when it happened. We have high confidence in it. For there was a great publicity on a national and international level. As we have gone through this, we are also moving from Israel and a level of intimacy with individuals in Israel, but with Israel, um, with Bethlehem, and then we saw with those who were frequenting the temple, who were looking for the consolation of Israel, those who were expecting him. And now today we see it expanding and this is going to be one of the cruxes of the arguments here of why we should still be celebrating instead of packed up and done is that now we have it going international. Now we get involved. We get included. For up until this time it was a very local and private thing to a great degree. But now with this event, we get included before it goes out to the world. Before we study this, let's look at go, Lord in prayer. Lord God, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word this morning. And Lord, we um, are fashioned too much by our society and less by your scriptures. And we thank you for a liturgical history that points us a different direction. And no, it wasn't perfected then either. But Lord, we do know that there is truth there. there There's evidence. And Lord, we pray that you might guide us into that truth through your word and to your glory. That we might modify our lives to reflect not what the world expects, but to reflect our real beliefs. There might be Evident not only in our theology, but in our worship, in our celebrations. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. So I have, as I have shared, tolerated and dealt with and, and and handled and been approached by those that want to throw out the whole idea that we are to celebrate Christ's Advent. When everything in Scripture points us to celebrating His Advent. Uh, And one of their arguments, again, with a heathenistic aspect of it is the timing. So what is the time that we know? Well, there were just shepherds and a few innkeeper, a, a few people involved in a little village in the southern part of Israel that really knew that night of his birth. There were some around the Temple Mount, but the real event that captivated all of Israel is when the king of Israel is approached with the idea that there was born a king who was king from birth. And this did not happen until the arrival of the wise men from the east, the kings. And we have sung about them this morning. I purposely tried to avoid the hymns that focused on them until today. Because this is the week. This is what Epiphany celebrates, there's really three that we have over church history conglomerate into that one celebration on January 6th. You don't see hardly anything on most of your calendars. None of you have any big plans for this Thursday night. You're welcome to come to my house. I'm making big plans to celebrate Epiphany this year. That date... Because of its international and because it was the the confrontation of the government of Israel of its day with the fact of the arrival of her king, her newborn king, by international elements, is documented. It is known. It was known, and it was when it became the most public. We have moved from, a, from, from the only those that studied the prophets, searched it out, knew it, the wise that would count the days and the years that went by, um, to know that, boy, the, 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 God, the Messiah's got to be here. He's got to be here within the year. Very small group. To a handful of people within the priestly class and then some shepherds, and then maybe a few more in the town of Bethlehem. Um, But no real big publicity about this. It didn't hit social media. It wasn't out there. It was largely undocumented. But this event of Matthew chapter 2 was easily recognizable and well-known. It was known to everybody And it documents some of the most powerful impact of this revelation that there is one born king of the Jews, has an inherent right to it from conception, from his birth. He has an inherent right to rule Israel. And when the current king, Herod, is confronted with this information, his response is predictable. He first turns to his own Counselor says, where is this supposed to happen? Let's hunt this kid down. But he wants to put on a different face internationally. So to these wise men, if you think there was just three of them, by the way, if you have this little picture of three guys, three solo, not solo, a trilogy of camels walking across the desert, just three isolated guys trotting along there, um, you have the totally wrong concept of what this arrival into Jerusalem was. This was a royal caravan coming into Jerusalem. It captured everyone's attention. Whether there are three kings or 30 kings, we have no idea, it was never stipulated. We come up with the idea of three from the three different gifts. Um, But nowhere is a state there was only three. This would have been an entourage. Kings don't travel without an entourage. They still don't. (laughs) They would have arrived in Jerusalem, likely having camped outside of it, perhaps near the Mount of Olives or just over it, arrived in the morning with an expectation uh, that the whole city would have been in, in the act of celebrating and had a procession all the way through town, right into the royal throne room. And said, where is he? Where is who? They have caught Jerusalem by surprise, which should tell you something about the fact that the knowledge of Christ's birth was not universal. It was extraordinarily local. Relatively few saw Jesus in a manger. Almost none, in fact. So the Magi arrive and they are startled by the ignorance of this royal city to her royal birth. And it is this event that marks the discovery of the nation to this event that happened sometime prior. It is obvious that they were not there at the manger. It says they went into a house, not in the stable, that they arrived to a young child and not to a newborn infant. We can discuss How long it had been, we know it's less than two years. But if you think that Herod wasn't a careful man, you should study him a little more carefully. The reason he killed him two years and younger was to cover his base in case the time frame was off a little bit. Much like Pharaoh, where we have the slaughter of Hebrew boys, we have it down in Bethlehem, and that would have been well documented and well known. Everyone knew Matthew chapter 2. Relatively few knew Luke chapter 2. And so Matthew chapter 2, we have a strong confidence was marked in Israel. And that has been long associated with January 6th, the day of the Mashai. Now, over church history, to emphasize January 6th, to make it uh, an even more important date, as if that wasn't enough to celebrate the advent of our Lord and its international and national announcement. Isn't it a sad thing, though, that it has to be announced by foreigners coming to your land to announce to you that your king has just been born because you are oblivious? But to emphasize that over church history, we've also take January 6th as a day not only to celebrate the arrival of the Magi and the the international announcement of Christ's birth, but we also, because they wanted to emphasize that date, added to the celebration of Epiphany, also Christ's baptism and the wedding of Canaan. You might say, what? Why would we link those three together? Well, Let's think about it a little bit. Why January 6th should be one of the high holidays that we should be celebrating. But we've all packed up and we've moved on. We missed it. Because in the minds of those who attach those three, epiphany is, is that God revealed. And so he was revealed in Israel when the Masha'i arrived. He was further revealed again. What happened at Christ's baptism? God made a declaration, spirit comes down in the form of a dove, not as a dove, but not in the dove, but as one. And something about doveliness was about the spirit coming down and what is heard. This is my son. A public announcement. The second public revelation, if you will, of God who Christ is. The first one being, the Magi come, who's the, the, where's the king of the Jews? Where is he? And then a voice from heaven saying, this is my son. And then at the wedding Canaan, the first miracle. And they have lumped those all together to January 6th, the day of Epiphany. When our Lord was announced. Essentially. The announcement of our Lord. And to celebrate that fully, what happened was that they determined that it was such a significant event that we needed not just one day to celebrate it, but 12 days to celebrate it. Some have conjectured that it was to represent 12 weeks from his birth. And back that up, what does that send you into? September sometime? Would that be right? Is that right? 12 weeks back from today, this week? Three months? What do you know about September? Big, big, big start of the Jewish year. That's where most of their feasts are, is during September. Including Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Weeks, all those outside of Atonement and Passover in the spring. So whether it was 12 weeks, for whatever reason, historically, we marked January 6th, we backed up and had 12 days of celebration. And you know the French little song, the 12 days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, and it goes through 12 days of Christmas. Where did that come from? Because that's historically how Christians celebrated the Advent is they backed it up from January 6th. is really our stake in the ground, historically. Now, I'm pretty good at counting. I can count to 12. (laughs) If you go back from January 6th, 12 days, um, what day do you land on? Not the 25th. It's actually the 26th, isn't it? 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 31, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And this probably gives a little credence to the fact that Christmas happened Christmas night was Christ's birth. If the 12 days were literally 12 days, given the Hebrew mindset of what a day is at sunset, And, uh, and of course, we know that Christ's birth was at night um, because the shepherds were called to the stable there at the night. And the arrival, we have moved his birth from Christmas night to Christmas Eve. And even this Christmas Eve, we had a celebration here to recount it. But the likelihood is he was born that day or at least that's when we have designated to celebrate that day. Historically, you do realize that if you go back 100 years, 100 years, when did you begin to celebrate our Lord's birth? Was Christmas Eve is when you decorated. This is when you put up your tree. This is when you decorated your house to get ready for Christmas. Not Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving. Not December 1st. December 24th was when you started to get ready. That was preparation day. And you would celebrate for 12 or 13 days. In fact, over the period of that, think about what you get to celebrate. The day two was considered St. Stephen's Day, historically, when you would give to the poor all of your leftovers from your Christmas feast to celebrate the first deacon martyr. You also, within that 12 days, have an opportunity to celebrate our Lord's circumcision on the 8th day. Depending upon whether it was after nightfall or whether you want to think that was to be today or tomorrow, the 8th day, our Lord was circumcised. You get to celebrate that within the context of these 12 days. We also, historically, have taken a day of soberness. Within those 12 days, guess what you're celebrating? The death of the children in Bethlehem that we just read about, Rahab crying for her children. Yes, it happened after Epiphany, but we take those 12 days to celebrate all those kinds of things. It kind of got out of hand in the Middle Ages. They also had a a donkey day for the donkey that was witness of the birth, and so instead of saying amen during the service, you braid like a donkey. So it got out of hand in the Middle Ages, but a lot of things got out of hand in the Middle Ages, right? But when we look back historically, and we start looking at some of the purposefulness of our celebrations, uh, January 6th becomes pretty powerful, a start. And by then, we were already done and forgotten it, and we're not singing any more Christmas carols uh, right in the very time frame when in Jerusalem, they would have just been confronted with the idea that there is one born, King of the Jews. We sang this morning, Go Tell It on the Mountain. We sang about the first Noel, a declaration. And that declaration did not go public, really public, until January 6th, when the Mashai arrive in Jerusalem. And hence, Matthew places it here, and and it uh, can be well attested to. For now, we are well beyond the idea of shepherds and and young women and priestly class. We are now dealing with king and court, with counselors. An entire capital city has just been confronted with emissaries from a whole other part of the world. And we've missed it. We don't celebrate it. We don't notate it even. And it is likely from this event that we have backed up to say, well, we're going to celebrate for these 12 days, these various biblical events around our Lord's advent, around his coming out out of the womb, but then also coming out in public at the baptism, coming out in the exercise of some of his spirit power at at Canaan. We have clumped these together historically as an opportunity to celebrate the arrival of Christ. The idea of the birth is really just, by the way, all the events could have happened within those 12 days including the flight to Egypt and all of that. It could have easily occurred in those 12 days. But for some reason, the church backed it up and said we're going to celebrate for 12 days our Lord's Advent. And whether that meant that they arrived 12 days after or 12 weeks, we don't know. For some reason, they wanted a 12-day celebration. Not based upon a date identified in December, but on a date identified in January. A date we don't celebrate at all. In my mind, there are three high days for the church. Three, and not days, but really celebrations. Remember our Sunday night study, we're talking about The idea of celebrating on a single day is really pretty foreign to Scripture. Important days are encompassed by sometimes a week, eight days of celebration. And so you have the Day of Atonement. You have Passover. They're encompassed within a Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so we have this certain one encompassed by others. Rarely do you have a single day. Um, Even Hanukkah. How long does it last? One day? No. And so um, we have boiled our Lord's Advent down to a season and we concern ourselves with its commercialization, with with its heathenization, and with its secularization, but we have contributed to it because we have lost track of what we were supposed to be doing, is that we were supposed to be marking Not the 25th as the known one, but as the 6th. We backtrack and we go from there. Now we spend 12 days centering ourselves upon all that is involved in the advent of our Lord. And we have missed it. And if anything, returning to that kind of historical celebration is going to get people's attention, isn't it? Makes you want to not shop until sometime between Christmas and January 6th. Give all your gifts then. The coming of our Lord is a wondrous act. It needs to be celebrated, and we have pared it down and joined the world in making it about the purchase of stuff that we don't really need. We've made it about all of this during a period of time that is heathenistic, where they do worship at the solstices. We've neared it, backed it up and backed it up, Till it sits right there. And, and, and now, instead of 12 days from the end of December to January 6th, we have backed this up so that we are now right in the thick of the heathen worship period, which is around the solstices. We have joined them. And so, the call of the Magi is to declare the king, declare his arrival and they become an important element for they are the historical markers for us that confronted not just Israel and Herod but the whole world with this and we have i believe a rare privilege and opportunity because it has been so largely lost on so much of the Christian community and on society at large that we have an opportunity to celebrate from the 25th to the 6th without any of the trappings of the world. No Santa Clauses are busy On the 26th, the 27th, the 28th, the 29th, the 30th, the 31st, the 1st, the 2nd, the 3rd, the 4th, the 5th, or the 6th. No Santa Clauses. Isn't that great? No reindeer. None of it. None of the world is there. We have a privileged opportunity to take this aside and to sanctify it afresh. And to say, we should be celebrating the Lord's coming from His birth to the epiphany. Recognizing that probably the epiphany is the date we actually know. And for 12 days we have that opportunity. And so we can re-establish it and have an opportunity to celebrate it with full genuineness in all the events around it without the commercialization without the heathen elements and not allow it to be secularized we can focus on the biblical elements and maybe this is a message I should have given you in November (laughs) to prepare you for this instead of the day the Sunday after I wasn't with Jeremiah yet. I had to finish that, you know. And so we sing of his coming today because its announcement was made later this week is when we mark that. And let us determine in our hearts to say we are going to make something better than the world, something more biblical, something that has historical precedence Upon from the biblical origins, from church history, instead of from heathen history. Let's bring these elements to bear in our lives and our family that for 12 days we will exercise ourselves to celebrate fully our Lord's Advent. And yes, that might even mean taking one day to consider the cost on the children of Bethlehem of taking one day to consider that Christ didn't come to the wealthy but to the poor, of taking a day and consider the arrival of the Magi, the baptism of our Lord and his first miracle, I see nothing lost in any of that. If we were to take 12 days and celebrate these sorts of things, of our Lord's circumcision the eighth day. We are told that information. That's biblical. I would much prefer you celebrate biblical events in an ecclesiastically historical period of time than join with the world in their celebration. They've had their celebration. There are no more Christmas tree lots. They're all being shredded into mulch. So now we can truly celebrate purely spiritually biblical truth. There is a challenge without the trappings. You see, we can complain about what the world has done to it, but ultimately we have permitted it and we have joined. And so your complaints are unfounded because you won't do anything. And so God calls us to certainly celebrate this event. I have tried for four weeks to emphasize that, that we have not only a right to, but perhaps even a mandate to celebrate it. Given all the attention God has given to it, um, in the from Genesis on, with all the elements engaged, we have, I think, every precedent, every, and in, in, like I said, even a mandate to celebrate. It. But let's make sure we're celebrating it properly, not as the world, and perhaps maybe not even with the world, since the world has missed most of it. And we take time to say, I want to celebrate Christ's coming. All of it. Rather than having our magi at the stable that we have them, as the Bible says, entering the house. Whether Christ, whether he's 12 weeks old or 12 days old or a year and a half, whatever it was, that he's there being worshiped. And we celebrate that he kept the law. Whether it's today or tomorrow, one of the key elements is that Christ is our righteousness. He fulfilled the law. His circumcision matters. He fulfilled the law for you and I. From the very beginning, he fulfilled the law. So yes, celebrate his circumcision. That he is the one who has kept the law for me. He has completed it. He has finished it. He was the perfect sacrifice. All of these things we have opportunity to celebrate. And the church in a historical periods have drawn that out and said we want to take 12 days to celebrate all this that was involved in what, and all of its meaning to take a time every day to sit down for 12 days as a people and say we're going to study each element very carefully um, and celebrate it, teach it, celebrate it, reflect upon it, meditate on it. Sometimes it's sobering, sometimes it's exciting. Here we can shout and jump up and praise and, and over here we can have a parade. Um, we should have a parade on Epiphany, don't you think? Don't you think there should be an Epiphany Parade? I mean, come on, you know those Magi was the biggest deal in Jerusalem. They didn't come sneaking into town. There were trumpets and camels and horses and finery everywhere. It was the best parade day that could be. So I want to encourage you. Challenge you. You can keep the Christmas tree in the Box, you know, you take it down or put it back up. But do not forget to celebrate purposefully. And to do so historically would mean that you would be celebrating all through this week to Thursday. And so, to you who know the truth, I say Merry Christmas because it still is. My One of my favorite radio programs is 95.5. Classical. Yes, it's classical music. From thanks the day after Thanksgiving till Christmas Day, they play all Christmas music and it's stopped now. I turned the radio off. I was so mad. It should have just started. And it's over. The world, it's over. And I say let them have it because now we can have ours the right way to celebrate the real events as they really happened that we know culminated on January 6th. Not just to be different but to make a declaration. That that isn't what it Was, historically, and they have emphasized the wrong things. Now you've got your gift. Now let's think about how you're serving the poor. How are you honoring God? How are you declaring to the world, Messiah's here? Where's the king? Where's your king? That's what the Magi were about. Parading into Jerusalem and saying, where is the king? It is a great evangelistic day to walk into people's lives and say, where is the one who is supposed to be your king? Where is he? Herod didn't know where he was. Counselors had to study a little bit. They figured it out. None of them went with them to worship him, though. And so we have much of that today. A disconnect from this part of the narrative and we have moved it into what is obviously not a true scene, our little manger scene that we have, the nativity with the mash-eye there. And yeah, we still use it a little bit. You're comfortable with it. Uh, don't be surprised that it doesn't come out that way next year. I want to just challenge you and encourage you. Don't stop celebrating. You're right in the middle of Christmas. It started last Sunday. It should end this Thursday, is the 12 days, according to Ecclesiastical History of Christmas. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for all that's entailed in the celebration of your birth. And Lord, we have lost track of so much And it has tainted our worship. It's tainted our celebration. And we know it. I've heard all my life Christians complain. Never was taught. So we thank you for your truth. And it's teaching. Now, Lord, it is for us to respond. Lord, we want to be those that celebrate You're coming, but so much more. We want to celebrate that you've kept the law for us. We want to celebrate that you are the king, that we might recognize you as such. And so, Lord, the world is done thinking about you. They've left you in the manger. They are not asking, where is the king? Lord, help us to draw our family's attentions to it and help us to draw those around us to you. We pray you might guide us and direct us in this celebration, this worship. To your honor, praise, and glory. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.